Welcome to That Rooted Feeling Podcast, where I bring you high-value health information and practical tips to help you improve your lifestyle habits with a focus on plant-centered nutrition so you can achieve optimal wellness that radiates into and improves all aspects of your life, giving you that rooted feeling that you won't know until you have it. Welcome back to another week and another episode of That Rooted Feeling. I'm your host, Dr. Brooke Stubbs, a board-certified physician in internal and lifestyle medicine with a master's degree in nutrition. But more importantly, I have been through my own transformational health journey, and that has given me a deep sense of well-being. And I am on a mission to provide the education and inspiration to help others improve their overall wellness, lessen the risk of chronic disease, and add quality years to their lives. Today on the podcast, I am here with Dr. Ellen Reed. She is a best-selling author of Relentless Solution Focus and co-founder of Level Up, a performance coaching mobile app. And for the last 15 years, she has worked as a top performance coach alongside renowned mental coach, Dr. Jason Selk. Dr. Reed received her PhD in experimental psychology with a focus on memory and cognition from St. Louis University. With a background in professional dancing, Dr. Reed brings the rare combination of deep academic and athletic background to help clients achieve success, health, and happiness. Ellen also is a a dear friend of mine from my hometown. We have known each other and gone to school together since kindergarten. And so it is my ultimate pleasure that she is here to join us on the podcast today. Ellen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I've been so excited, like I said, just to see you again, <laughs> almost <laughs> in the flesh. Um, but yeah, yeah, since kindergarten. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's been so wonderful to follow you in your journey. I'm reading your book now, which is just extraordinary. You are so talented. You're so accomplished. Um, you are just the real deal. Well, thank you. And let me say this about you, because I was on a walk this morning and I was like thinking about do you know getting to talk to you later today and I was like gosh cuz I've I've you know I've known you since kindergarten I've you know we've had social media so we you know I've been able to kind of follow your journey and I was just thinking back to like grade school high school and I was like Brooke was always my like inspiration for just living a beautiful life you were oh. always that person. No, really. And I think anybody that follows you now gets that about you because you just, you live a beautiful life and that's what you do for others is, you know, that's what your passion is. But even since like kindergarten, grade school, it was like, you were always the girl who had the cutest outfit. And <laughs> like, I loved going to your house because your room was always like so beautifully decorated and I don't know, like you might've gotten that from your mama. Oh yeah, I was going to say, all of this to Debbie. (laughs) Yes, but really you were always such an example of living a beautiful life. And I'm just so excited to see you now and to know you because I really feel like that you exude that through what you do for your patients, you know? And and it's, it's, it's a healthy life, it's a beautiful life and you've always been that and you've always kind of been that example and inspiration for me. So anyway, I'm just, I just was thinking about that this morning. I was like, it's so cool to see you do what you do now. 
You're so sweet. That is probably the greatest compliment anybody could have ever given. So thank you. And I have to just say for our listeners, like, I remember Ellen, like, tell me if you have this vision, like you and I were like the two girl nerds. Like we would, we would be in like the high achieving math classes and stuff with all of like, I just remember like, it was me, you, Bo Schneider and Jake. Yes. And we were always like a wit, like in the smart nerdy group. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. And I, you know, I, um, it's funny because like, when I think back to more like high school, you know, like it was very stressful, you know? I, and I think for both of us, we could probably say that that like perfectionism that we had, like really served us well to get us to where we are now, but we've had to fight some demons with that. I can't wait to talk to you about perfectionism because I, yes, we're going to get to it. Okay. Let's start. Let's (laughs) talk about your book. Your book is called Relentless Solution Focus. When I first saw the title, I was really curious, what does that mean? And then you get right into the book and you realize that this is a process that you and Dr. Selk have Mm -hmm. developed to help your clients become relentless and solution oriented. So tell us about. Okay. So, and I love that you said that right at the bat, like you hear relentless solution focus and sometimes people immediately think, well, what is that? Just like putting on rose colored glasses and just like not acknowledging the problems in the world. And it's not that it's not that it's about getting to solutions faster and you're exactly right. This is a me- method. It was developed by my colleague, Dr. Jason Selk. And I've been with him for like 15 years now. Relentless solution focus is essentially a way of teaching optimism. And optimism has been really extensively researched. And the findings on it are really almost kind of unbe- unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, in fact, let me, start, let me start with the most crazy fact. It's that People with optimism live up to 14 years longer than those oh, without okay. optimistic qualities. And the, I mean, the studies on this, again, it's like almost like, what? There's no way that can be true. But you know this and you, you probably spend a lot of time and effort conveying this to your patients that when we live in these chronic stages of stress, the chemicals that that generates in our bodies like do really real things to us. You know, it significantly increases our chances of getting almost every major disease. You know, we don't sleep as well. Our friendships aren't as good. Like we're not as happy. And so, you know, we've all heard that optimism is good. So I wanted to ask you about this because you guys call it problem centric thought, which is kind of our normal, like that's, that's kind of how our brains are, are like just to have this problem oriented, you know, Yeah. And it does. You're talking about it the way I talk about it with my patients. It causes illness. So tell me more about that. So PCT, problem-centric thought, it's the way we're designed. You know, if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, it was important. (laughs) It was important to our survival when we lived in a time when our resources were not as plentiful. You know, our environments were much less stable we really needed to be able to quickly spot our threats, right? Like mm-hmm. the bear, the saber-toothed tiger, you know, running at us or the poisonous berries on the bush. But now, you know, statistically, we live in the safest time to be alive. Even with COVID and all the stuff going on, it's statistically 
the safest time to be alive. And that PCT that once was very important for us, it's really detrimental to our success and our health and our happiness. So we know it's a bad thing. Right. We and need to be able to recognize. In the nutrition world, we call it antagonistic pleiotropy. It's like the thing that used to be good for our survival now is deleterious for our survival. And not only is it like the stress, right, that we, you talk about this problem-centric thought process. In nutrition, we talk about it because we seek out fatty, salty, sweet foods. Now that they're readily available, they're deleterious yes. to our health. Whereas that kind of taste bud and that dopamine surge from those foods was helpful for our survival. So it's very similar, yes. but you have to kind of swim upstream and learn how to survive in a way that's more conducive to longevity, which Love is natural for us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so Really, the hardest part is kind of recognizing it, <laughs> like recognizing when you're focused on a problem because it's just so normal for us. Yeah. And so it's normal for us, but it's also normal for our society. You know, if you mm -hmm. go into any meeting, people aren't talking about solutions, they're talking about problems. If you watch any movie, you know, the normal 90 minute movie, probably 80 minutes of those 90 are focused on a problem with maybe like 10, if you're lucky, minutes on the resolution. You watch right. the news, right? You're seeing problem after problem after problem. So unfortunately, problems are the way that we relate to each other. And yeah. so we've really become very good at helping each other become worse. So, <laughs> so, so we know this is a problem. We know that optimism is good for us. It's good for our health. It's good for our happiness. It's good for our success. But people just haven't been taught how to do it. Right. And I think that I, I love all the parallels between what I do and what you do is because your job is teaching people how. Like right. you can tell them what they need to do all day, but until you show them exactly how, they're not going to make progress. And so, relentless solution focus is essentially a way of training our brains toward optimism. Mm -hmm. So, there's a few tools that we talk about in the book that are concrete, right? It's not just a pep talk. It's not just like, hey, be optimistic, right? Like start thinking about solutions. <laughs> and I'm sure it, like this is something that I know you go through every day with your patients. Like you can tell them till they're blue in the face, but unless they have tools, they're not going to do it. And so the tools that, and let me, let me teach one of the tools because it's really easy, simple, and something that people can start doing right away. And it's yeah. called the success log. So three questions in the success log. The first one being, what three things did you do well in the last 24 hours? So you're forcing your brain to think about three little done wells, three things that you've done well in the last 24 hours to start recognizing the things that you're doing well. Now, the reason this is so important is because of something called expectancy theory. Expectancy theory it's, I think it's chapter two in the book, <laughs> um, but it's really important to understand because what this states is that that which you focus on expands, mm -hmm. that which you focus on expands. And remember, we're wired to focus on problems. And right. the more we focus on problems, the bigger our problems become. Yeah. And so what we've got to do, again, is shift our focus from problems to potential solutions, because as soon as we do that, 
as soon as we start to focus on what we're doing well, as soon as we start to focus on potential solutions, our solutions are going to become much more readily available. And every time we focus on what we're doing well, our self-confidence is going to grow. And we talk a lot about self-confidence because they've done the research on this, that it's the number one variable for all human performance. And, you know, I work with a lot of athletes um, and nothing is going to affect the way they're going to play, the way they're going to perform more than them working on their self-confidence. And remember, uh-huh. we're not good at this. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're good at focusing on our mistakes and our shortcomings, right? And, and just like you and I growing up, we were the ones sitting in um, flex time, which was like our recess kind of, right? Like doing homework and studying. And that perfectionism, like I'm so glad for both of us that we had that perfectionism in high school like we did. But what we teach people now is how to maintain that like obsession with improvement while maintaining and preserving self-confidence so that we don't also have the negative aspects that go with it go with that perfectionism it's like i'm still struggling with perfectionism yeah you know it's i i give myself credit i'm like give myself grace this is part of my personality it's gotten me where i am but also i sense that you know i can't keep up with it tell us about your thoughts about it what's good about it what's bad about it okay so good so let me tell you kind of what what it means. And then I'm going to finish that success log because there's two more questions that are going to really help with that perfectionist mentality. So I'd say 99.9 of the people that work with me really relate to this perfectionist mentality because it's very normal. Like you and I, I think just had increased levels of it, right? Most people that come to a performance coach are already performing at a high level. But they're starting to notice those negative impacts of that perfectionism. Or they just know like, hey, I know the mental side of this stuff is so important and I'm ready to kind of reach that next level. So people with this perfectionist mentality, which is all of us, (laughs) right? It's a way of evaluating ourselves. Now, here's the thing. We're always evaluating ourselves all the time. And if we're not conscious of it, we're going to be evaluating ourselves in a very perfectionist way. It's like, we're always thinking like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Or I can't believe I said that. Or I really screwed this up over here. And it's just unconscious, right? It's just what we do all throughout our day. And this perfectionist mentality, we tend to be really quick to shrug off or kind of blow off what we're doing well as like expected. Well, like, yeah, I was really great with that patient today, but that was an easy one. Or yeah, I'm doing great over here, but I'm still really struggling over here. Um, or like my one kid is excelling in this, but over here, I'm really falling short as a mom. (laughs) We're just really quick to brush off what we're doing well. And the second piece of that is that we really tend to beat ourselves up when we fall short. Mm -hmm. Like when we didn't get, and you and I, like when we didn't get like a 99 on a test, we would be pissed, right? (laughs) We just really beat ourselves up for those shortcomings. And so what we want to maintain about that, again, is that obsession and drive for improvement. Mm -hmm. That's the good part of this. But there's a big difference between an obsession with improvement and obsession with perfection. Okay. So what we want to shift to is what we call the solution-focused mentality. Okay. And there's two characteristics of this to understand. And the first one with a solution-focused mentality is, hey, 
you give yourself credit where credit is due. It's really important and really hard for people. And that's why that number one question in the success log is so important. Three things you did well in the last 24 hours. It's really simple, but most people don't do that. Like they don't stop throughout their day to say, hey, what am I doing well? Even the little things, even and especially the little things, recognizing what we're doing well because of the impact that's going to have on our self-confidence. And again, that which you focus on expands. So when you're focusing on what you're doing well as a mom or what you're doing well as a you fill in the blank, you're going to do more things well. It's just the way the psychology works. It's the way the chemicals work in our brain, like the impact it has on those feel good kind of performance enhancing neurotransmitters. So now let's get into the next two questions of the success log, because this is another really important part here for like beating this and retraining our brain against this perfectionism. So question number two is what's one thing I want to improve in the next 24 hours? Because here's the thing. Our default at the end of the day is to think about all the things we screwed up. Like to go through our laundry list of like, all right, well, that sucked. I did bad with that. Like I'm really falling short here. That's our default. So we've got to replace that with what's one thing I want to improve in the next 24 hours. But then you've got to take question number three and say, okay, what's one action step I can take that could help make that improvement? We can't mm-hmm. just determine like what we want to do better at. Most people are fairly good at knowing what they want to improve, but we've got to take that critical next step of saying, okay, what's one action step I can take that could help make that improvement? Now, doing this every day, like let's say and by every day, I mean like five times a week, even three times a week consistently, you're going to see improvements. Because you've got to do it consistently. And again, it's like what you tell your patients, like, let's just take diet or nutrition. They can't just eat one salad, (laughs) right? (laughs) Or have like one smoothie, right? It's about building those habits that over time really make a significant impact. And so the stuff that we teach in the book um, and the success log that now everybody knows, right? Takes you two minutes a day. It really doesn't take a lot of time but it does take consistency. Consistency is the key here. Yeah. And I, so in my brain, all these things are coming up, like, where am I going to put this in my day? And so for me, do you recommend it in the morning, at night? What is your... Okay. Really good question. Really good question. And in fact, the um, A plus student in you wants to be like, okay, when's the perfect time to do it? Right? (laughs) Like, when am I going to get the most benefit? Which I love that you asked that question because that's so like, a lot of people that I work with are exactly like that, right? And that's a great quality that you have. Like, how can I squeeze every ounce of, of benefit out of it? And the answer is whatever time you're going to be most consistent with it. <laughs> so typically, it. yeah, typically it's either like first thing in the morning or maybe like, I, I, you want to say do it before bed, but I don't like leaving the important things till last in the day. Now, here's where, let me tell you about this app, because this is something that we've been developing for like the last year. And it's something that people have been asking us for, for a few years, because they're like, okay, can you make an app for this stuff? Like, I want to be able to do it in my phone. Like, it'll make it so much easier. And so we had these two guys out of these two entrepreneurs out of Silicon Valley. Um, These guys actually developed tiny prints. You know, do you remember tiny prints? 
the like we got all our baby announcements and like wedding invitations and things like that from Tiny Prince. Um, they were hugely successful with it. They sold it to Shutterfly. So basically, these two guys like never have to work again a day in their life. And they're like, we're in the position in life now where we've hit huge levels of success and we can do whatever we want now. We can work on whatever we want. And what we want to do is put something really great into the world. Um, You know, they they were like, we really want to be involved in something in the mental training kind of um, behavioral health world. And so they reached out to us and said, hey, can we partner on this app? And so we spent the last year really fine tuning and providing content for a way of kind of automatizing this training. So, you know, we wrote the book, hoped that, you know, people would read it (laughs) and implement it, but there's still a little bit of a disconnect, right? Like you read something once and put it away and then probably start reading something else. And then you forget about the things that you learn. And so what this app has done is it's a way of kind of providing this little masterclass and these little short video snippets, but then also the training right there every single day. So for me, I do my success log right in the app every morning. And it's become one of the parts of my day that's like, I don't even get out of bed without doing it because it reminds me right there. Um, So that is an awesome resource. Awesome. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased. (laughs) but you know, it's like, it's like, I, I feel this passion in you when I see you post about this stuff on social media. It's like, you know, the positive and amazing impact this has had on your life. So you want to shout it from the rooftops. 100%. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I developed an app too. I'm going to check yours. Out. I'm sure yours is far on a different level than mine, just based on you talking about it. But it's the same thing. You're like, I just want to disseminate this. Like I just yes. think, everybody could focus in this simple way. It's not a huge concept. It's just about, like you say, the consistency and, and knowing what to do. And if you just have one direct focus, it really sets you on a different trajectory. So I can't wait to check it out. Well, and I want to say this too about you, because I think you've totally nailed this, that you really promote the simplicity of it. And you always say like, don't try to do all of this. Just start with looking at, I remember um, just you were talking about kind of adding more like whole plant-based foods into your diet. And you're like, just look at what you already like. And you had this um, like piece of paper and you're like, here's all of these examples. I think you were showing um, your people kind of what you had walked your parents through. And it was like, look at all the things you're already doing. We just need to add a plus one to that. And then once you plus one that, we'll plus one it once more. And I think that's a, a big reason why your patients have so much success because you're so good at knowing how to build things simply because there's not a um, shortage of good information out there. Right. Right. Like anybody can pick up a book or like do a search on the internet and find good information. But what the difference is, is action. How are you going to implement that? And that's where people really struggle. They struggle because they're trying to do too much. Yeah. And then there's like, there's this whole question of why, like, why am I doing this? Why do I even want to be more solution oriented? Like in the book, like the first couple of chapters, you talk about how it's hard to fight against the normal and that you really got to commit 
you have to be relentless. And so like, what do you say to people who come up against some resistance on this journey? Like what's on the other side? There's gotta be some freedom on the other side from all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll say that the good news is that when you start implementing this, you do start to see results pretty quickly. Now, what you also start to notice is, wow, like other people are very problem focused. (laughs) One thing that's really funny is that like people will come back and be like, hey, I really need my husband to get this. or I really need my wife to read this book. or I really need my coworkers. Because you start to really recognize how focused on problems people are. And so you start to experience the positive effects. You're like, oh, wow. Like I feel so much better. Like I'm able to get to solutions faster. I'm experiencing so much more success, like less stress. And so you really start to feel like, okay, now listen, like this is good. You need to do this too. But as soon as you tell someone like, hey, you know what you should really do is you should do this, right? Like it becomes so hard for them to implement it because you know this, like people have to be convicted for for what they're doing. So, well, here's, let me tell a story. And I think this is maybe, well, hopefully um, kind of people will relate to this that, you know, I used to live my life in a very, I wouldn't say high, but I would say subtle constant state of stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it was just my normal. And it was like, I mean, I have probably like looking back have been like that my whole life. And again, I think like what we talked about, that was really something that got us pretty far. Right. And like, would have probably been fine to keep going that way, but I don't think I would have truly been happy, like fulfilled with that subtle, constant sense of like anxiety and stress. Like I I would, before my eyes would even open in the morning, my heart would be pounding out of my chest. And I would just start immediately with that laundry list of like, okay, what do I have to do today? What did I, did I do anything that I regret yesterday? Is, Is my health okay? Like, is my family okay? I would just like go through my Rolodex of all the things that could potentially go wrong. Essentially, I was living my life solely focused on avoiding problems. And that sucks. (laughs) And it was so normal for me that I didn't even really realize it was a problem. And so I was really lucky in that I met Jason, my colleague, Jason Selk, like 15 years ago. And um, like I was a dance instructor at this gymnastics center. This was right before I was starting graduate school. And he was... um, like he would volunteer on the weekends to coach the men's team. And he was just about to start his role as a director of sports psychology for the St. Louis Cardinals. And we, we met each other at the gymnastics center and we were just talking about, I was telling him like what I was studying in school and his eyes kind of lit up. He was like, well, let me tell you what I do because I need somebody to help me coming up because he knew, okay, I'm taking on this role with the Cardinals and I know my business is going to start to explode here. And, and he was right. And he basically, my job with him in the beginning was to confirm his appointment. And so he would hand me his like planner. We would meet up like once a week, he would hand me his like schedule book that was back in the day, like before a Google calendar. <laughs> and <laughs> I would call all of these players to confirm their appointments. And, um, over the years, like I, I finished graduate school, but I got like a really great front row seat to these programs and these fundamentals that he developed. And I started applying it to my own dance career in my own life. Had I not 
met him at that time, you know, like I like to think I would have stumbled upon something, but like really I kind of stumbled upon it by accident and experienced firsthand the effects of not living in a way where you wake up with that subtle anxiety in your chest every morning. Um, so, and, and I just think that that's something that so many of us relate to. In fact, I remember when we were writing our book, we, we sent like a proposal or it was the, the proposal or like kind of a first draft to um, a, a publicist, somebody that we were thinking about using for publicity. And in the preface of the book, I'm pretty vulnerable, like talking about kind of my struggle with anxiety. And she, we were, do, uh, we were on a phone call with her and Jason and myself. And she was like, you know, Ellen, you know, I like the, you know, the writing's great. I like the preface, but you may want to think about show, sharing so much of that in the book. Like you're supposed to be the expert here. And I don't know if we want people to know like what you struggled with. Right. And I'm like, okay, sure. You know, whatever you think. And then we hang up and Jason calls me right away. Um, and he was like, he calls me back right away and was like, Ellen, we've got to keep that in there. He oh. was like, there is so much strength and vulnerability. Yeah. And we were really kind of, or I was really kind of surprised that like when the book came out and people started reading it and like kind of sending in like, just, you know, like, thanks for writing this and this and that. Like one of the things that really seemed to resonate with people was that, that preface and that story of just like, Hey, this is how I live too. This is how I wake up every morning. Um, and you know, I have the benefit in my kind of line of work of seeing what people struggle with. Yeah, And I, I think you, you get this a lot too. Like we don't talk about this stuff. You know, right. like we don't talk about like I do. You know, I I make people. I draw. Good. I yeah, because I know how how terrible it is for our overall yes. health. Like I think yes. our society glorifies the grind and all those things, and then we just ignore this baseline level of stress that we all become accustomed to. It's almost like we're addicted yeah. to the feeling of stress. We get addicted to yes. it, you know those feelings of adrenaline when we procrastinate, and it's really about. I, and I keep, this keeps coming up as you're talking and it also, you touch on some of these concepts in your book, but, um, we have all of these thoughts and they're not true. They're not necessarily yeah. true. There's 60,000 thoughts we're having a day. Yeah. Like you don't have to have, you don't have to attach yourself to all those thoughts more. So like when I'm like, you, you know, I'm thinking about my routine where I would put like this relentless solution focus into my routine. One of the biggest things in my routine is meditation, which helps yes. me get a different baseline. I, it takes my brain from all of the thoughts to no thought, right? And so then I have a new threshold for what I can accept in terms of stress and in, in terms of this, you know, problem-centric thinking and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Well, and you're such a, I, I feel like I'm just imagining being one of your patients and seeing you as a mom and a wife and having this awesome, successful career. Like people relate to that, you know, and people relate to like the vulnerability, right? Like nobody wants to learn from someone that's never had to struggle from uh, with anything in their life. And this is a little bit off topic, but I kind of want to hear maybe some more of your thoughts on it. Cause I thought this was so cool. 
you were talking about, you can tell that I'm such a fan and a follower. I'm like referencing all of these videos. That, like, you may not even remember that you've done, but you were talking about how there was a study that showed that patients get like way better outcomes when they have a good connection with their provider, like a yeah. good relationship with their provider. And you also said something about women. Yeah, there's two... There's a couple of things. So women actually have female physicians, their patients tend to have better outcomes. That's a study. And, you know, that's probably multifactorial, right? Women are, you know, hypervigilant and we obviously perfectionist qualities and we take more time with our patients. That was part of the study is they take more time at bedside. And so there's probably less things that get overlooked. Um, Yeah. Also, we have this nurturing quality to us, right? And so we know of the, um, you, I'm sure you're aware of limbic resonance, right? Tell me Where, more. So we can, there, the part of our brain that actually can physically feel the emotion of somebody else, right? So we are actually connected on those energetic levels just through empathy. And we yeah. see that empathic physicians help their patients have better health outcomes, no matter what their disease process is. And in fact, there was a really interesting study done um, by a Yale researcher and she put patients on the exact, so basically what they did was they injected their skin with something to cause a kind of histamine reaction. And then they gave them the same cream, but they gave it by like an empathic doctor who like had some more, you know, um, credentials or whatever. And then somebody who used like nonverbal cues that weren't very empathic and the people, and it was the exact same cream, but the people who had the more empathic warm physician or provider had a, a more robust response to the same cream than the other. So it's really, amazing. really yeah, who, who you surround yourself with and that you have confidence in your position. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And there's so many powers in emotions. Yeah. Like I know emo- there's such powerful motivators. <laughs> and that's yeah. the other piece of this that like, you know, we talked about like, there's not, we're not at a shortage of information. You know, you can get on Google, you can be <laughs> right. But I think what you bring is you, you connect and and that drives emotions in people that motivates them to act. Um, yeah. There's this is maybe an, a weird um, parallel, but you know Elizabeth Holmes, who um, I think is about to go to prison for um, the um, Theranon. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, one of the, I watched a documentary on this, and somebody was talking about that she just had this amazing ability to like connect with people and like bring out emotions in them, right? And so she was really able to um, get a lot of people on board to what she was doing through her ability to kind of bring about emotions and and connect with people through her storytelling. Um, So now, you know, people like you out there that are are doing that for the good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, yes, in a much better way. Um, But yeah, like the emotional piece of this, like data is just data. It's just numbers, but people like you that are so obsessed in an awesome way with the data and reading these studies and doing the research that then take it and apply it to real life. You know, it's like the, there's nothing that can compete with that. 
you know, well, and that's why I I'm so going through medical school and going through residency and then, you know, getting into hospitalist medicine where, you know, we were seeing, I was on the bone marrow transplant service. So we were all about data, but it wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it yeah. until I became passionate about something that I experienced to change around. Right. So like the, the sense of well being that I have now, having gone through several life changes in terms of lifestyle, like diet yeah. and you know, sleep and also just like kind of this, this mental toughness that, you know, to grow and develop in me. And like, I'm so excited to have your book as a resource to continue that journey. But it's like that feeling that you get at the end that you're like, God, everybody should feel this way. Right. And so that data, I get inspired by that data because I think people, you know, they, they need to feel confident in what you're doing. They have to know the direction to go in, right? It's like, you could want this, you know, perfect life, but like, what are the steps to get you there? So the data helps us with the steps to get there. But what ultimately is so profound and important to me is the feeling after, right? The yes. feeling after you've been consistent, the feeling once you've implemented and like had the confidence to keep going. And so I was totally. just you know, in your, in the book, you talk a lot about happiness and health beyond just success, right? High performance coaching is yeah. one thing, but you also talk about health and happiness. I just want to know what have you had that kind of sense in like the, our, my podcast, the name of the podcast is that rooted feeling. And it's really yeah. about that deep sense of well being that you get. Have you experienced that in your own life, implementing these kind of performance techniques? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And so one of the things that um, you get to this at the end of at the end of the book, I think it's like the last section, but we talk about how we really want to establish a framework for how you're going to implement this stuff. Because when you try to throw RSF at everything in your life all at once, it's easy to get discouraged. So we want you to establish a, a framework for applying this and for essentially for goal setting in your life. And the first thing we start with is the why, like your vision, your purpose, your priorities, like who you want to be and what you want your life to be. And so many people never ask themselves that. I because, know. And, and it's this big question, right? Like, what's your purpose in life? Like, that's a big question. 99 times out of a hundred, when I ask my clients that they, they chuckle, right? Because it's like, well, of course I'm not going to know like the perfect answer to that, but we have to pick something. We have to pick something and we can adjust it along the way. So here's kind of the step one for like in my world for make like having living a fulfilled life is knowing your purpose. So for me, my purpose is to experience love and to help others. So let me kind of tell you a story about how this kind of manifests in like day to day. And this was actually like, for whatever reason, this really stuck with me. This was several years ago. I, I've got two boys now, but at the time I had one um, and he was maybe like two or three and it was around bath time. And I was like, kind of, I was watching him in the bath, but I'm on my phone, like checking emails. And I just kind of caught myself having that, like checking things off the to-do list mentality in that moment. Like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. What do I have tomorrow? And I just remember having this thought of like, am I enjoying this right now? Like this is supposed to be the best 
time in my life. Like I've got a little, a little kid here, a little baby here and it's bath time. Like these are the years. And I just reminded myself of that purpose, like to experience love and to help others. I am allowed and encouraged to put my phone away and just be there in that moment, enjoying that playtime with William. Yeah. And the other side of that, like to help others. That's what I do for like, that's, that's what drives what I do for a living. And so if there's ever a time where I start to feel like an increase of like stress or anxiety in my life, it's always because I've somehow veered from a focus on that purpose. When I remind myself, like I'm in this to help others and I prioritize experiencing the love of my family, my friends, my community, everything else seems to fall into place. So I, I just, that establishing your purpose and who you want to be and what you want your life to be is critical because if you don't do that, you're not going to be there. I'll tell you a story, just like kind of the flip side of that. Like I watch people that I love dearly have no intention about their lives and maybe they're focused on like financial gain or financial success, but have no intention about their personal life, their home life, and things are just chaotic and they're they're not happy and they're gaining weight and they're depressed. Yeah. You know, and it's all they needed to do, all they thought they needed to do in life was make money. And that would, and the rest would be taken care of. And they never got intentional about what the rest of their life looks like, whether that's health or family or you name it. And it really is so sad because you can have anything you want, anything at all. You got to write it down and you got to start making the steps to get there. And so many people just think they have to live life in a default mode. And that's just not true. I know. I know. Yes. Yes. And you've always, I've heard you talk about this a few times too, that you've always been like a manifester, right? Like you had a clear vision of Mm -hmm. what you wanted out of life. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like most people don't do that. And the funny thing is, is that when I meet for the first time with a new client, it takes us like five minutes, right? Takes us like five minutes. And we come up with a pretty detailed vision of who you want to be, what you want your life to be. And people are just so afraid of getting it perfect that they just don't even start. So I love that question. And I also, one thing I want to say, and I think you alluded to this, which I love is like the word success. I I almost hate, I feel like I used to use that word all the time to kind of like define what I do. Like I help people become more successful, but I just feel like more and more that word almost has like a negative connotation now. It's like we equate it with just money, right? Mm -hmm. Or like um, to be, you know, certainly that's usually the reason people initially start working with me. It's like, okay, I want to, I want to make more money. I want to, um, I want to play at the highest level. I want to make the Olympic team, right? Like um, we're, we're focused usually first on kind of those levels of performance, right? But even the athletes I work with, usually the heightened levels of increasing performance at the elite level come pretty quickly (laughs) with the fundamentals that, that we teach. And then we usually say, Hey, let's, let's open this up a little bit. You know, what else do you want? What else is important to you? Like true success in life doesn't happen 
when you're only experiencing professional success or athletic success. That's not a win in life. In fact, if you're winning in your professional life and not in your personal life, that's just not sustainable. And ultimately, that's going to affect your professional life. And so Mm -hmm. that's where that why and that purpose and priorities like really has got to be the first step. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. It really has to be. I mean, just like, I love, there's like, um, I don't know who it, who it is, but there's somebody who promotes like 12 or 14, like containers of life. Right. And they encourage you to like, write down your wishes in all of them, not just your career, your finances, but like what everything looks like, what your health looks like or whatever. And I think that truly is when you kind of have that well-rounded vision for yourself, there's nothing you can't accomplish. And money yeah. isn't bad. Get all the money. People are exactly. good, just as good, and they can do more with more money. Yeah. Get all the money, get all the fame. Who cares? Exactly. But have it all. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Were, did you, and I, I sense the answer is yes. Um, but this like kind of have you having your vision and like kind of manifesting and like vision board, like, is that something that you kind of always been like always done? Or was there a point in your life where you're like, Ooh, I need to, I need to do this. Or is that um, just kind of, kind of something that you've always so, done or had? So, um, I, it's something I've done since high school. So, and so, you know, my dad, he just, yes. he left the room. He makes oh, every, I love your dad. Yeah. He's just like this incredible, like, I have never read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, probably because I think like I grew up with probably the best example of that. Yeah, the best example. So, um, he, and he, so he just, when he talks, you want to listen, right? So he was the one who introduced me to the secret. He actually first gave me, um, the book, How to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill with this beautiful inscription about persistence and all this stuff. And that was in high school. And we sat down and watched The Secret. Um, And I just, and then he showed me his card and he showed me all of the things he had written on a card that he had laminated in tape and he put it in his wallet, all the things he wanted to accomplish in life. And he, he will say like, it doesn't look exactly like this, but I've done all of these things, right? Like I've, put my kids through college. I've owned a boat. I've had, you know, the beautiful homes and all the things. Yeah. And, you know, he's somebody who came from not a lot. And so this is a huge, right. Example. And so he was, he was the first one to encourage me to write down those things. So if there's ever a journal or ever a diary, that's blank, it's like, okay, well, we're not going to start this journal or diary about like without being intentional about where we're trying to go here. So yeah, it's like, it's almost a habit for me to always know where I'm going. What's the end game? What's yeah. the goal? I will get to that goal. And then I never stop. I I, yeah. I always have something else. I love it. I love that so much. And I want to say a couple of things based on that, because I'm, I'm tearing up when you're talking about your dad, because like those of you, you know, like I said, I've known Brooke since kindergarten and, um, like, I just want everybody to understand like what you mean when you talk about your dad, because you're absolutely right. And I think that speaks so well to the person that you are today. So my uncle, um, you know this, obviously, but my uncle um, was 
killed, you know, very tragically. Um, gosh, we, five, no, seven years ago now. It's crazy. Um, no. in a, a bike, a bike race, he was at mile 99 and a hundred mile race. And it was just so, as you can imagine, it was horrendous. And I live in St. Louis. My family lives in Lexington and I um, dr- was driving in for the memorial. The first time I hadn't seen anybody yet. It was the first time I had I'd obviously been on the phone with my family a lot, but I hadn't seen anybody yet. And your dad was the first person that I saw when I walked in the door of that memorial. And he just gave me the biggest bear hug. And I'll never forget that, Brooke. Sorry. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And it was like exactly what I needed at that moment. And I probably hadn't seen him in like 10 years before that. You know, like we obviously like you went to college, I went to college, but, and, yeah. and he didn't even need to say anything. He just gave me the biggest bear hug. And it was just, I will never forget that. Um, oh. And so anyway, what, what I want to say about that, that maybe does have to do with his podcast. Is that, <laughs> you know, you're, you're obviously, you're so lucky that you've had those examples in your life. But what's so exciting is that now you are that for all of your people. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what you're doing for them. and. Um, the other thing that's so cool about you that people may or may not know about you is that you are an artist. Like, like legitimately, you are an artist. And that that creative aspect of your brain that's so good at um, kind of putting those visions together. You know, a lot of people struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And just, again, goes back to what I said in the very beginning of you just like always, like, I feel like prioritizing living a beautiful life in such like an artful way um, anyway, I just, uh, your patients are just so lucky to have you. And I'm so excited to see you like doing what you're doing now, because it just seems like such an awesome fit and such an awesome addition to the world. Oh my God, Ellen, you're the sweetest. And I'm so <laughs> glad that like what we're doing, that our, our paths get to cross like this. And hopefully again, many, many, many times yes. going and um, I just love you and I love what you're doing and I love watching you on social media and I love all the insight that you have and I love your book and I hope everybody will go out and get it and I can't wait to check out the app. Will you please tell people how they can find you, find your book, get a hold of you if they want to do one-on-one performance coaching? Yes. So I'm on Instagram. I'm Dr. Like Dr. Ellen Reed. Um, I try to put stuff out there. You know, it's hard. <laughs> but just a little tidbits out there that that will help people. Um, but just you can find us at uh, RelentlessSolutionFocus.com. Um, the app is LevelUpGamePlan.com. They should all kind of link to each other. Um, but just go to RelentlessSolutionFocus.com. You can get the book on Amazon or any of those places. Um, or just email me. It's Ellen at jasonselk.com. Um, if you have any questions about this stuff, um, I, I do coaching, but um, I just, you know, reach out. I'd love to hear from people. Yeah. Oh gosh, you're the best. Thank you so much. Well, and thank thank you. you. And to our listeners, thank you all for joining us today. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can request an appointment at rootedfem.com. I also have an online lifestyle medicine course called rooted being the second round of that will start April 2nd. So if you'd like go to rootedfem.com and sign up for an email newsletter to get more information about that. 
As always, I ask you to please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. And I will see you all next week.